How many of you have been to Stone Mountain in the last few years? Have any of you guys been to Stone Mountain in the last few years? No, you know, they've kind of redid everything over there. There's a, like a village and a town. Have any of y'all been since then that, that, that took place? There's a theater there, all right? There's a theater there, and it's called a 4D theater. Have you, heard, have you been in that? All right, now, that, this theater is unique because, you know, you have sight and you have sound and you have touch, but then they introduce smell Have you in this theater, okay? So you go in there. How many of you are very sensitive to smells? All right, yeah, you know, you can do it or stuff like that. I know that there are a lot of people that are, that are that way as well. So when you eat food or something like that, if you smell it when you're eating it, my grandmother used to fix collards and stuff like that. I couldn't stay in the house, you know. When I would go over to my grandma's, they had a store as well. I'd have to go down to my, with my grandfather and stay in the store. I couldn't just couldn't hang with the smell when she cooked all that kind of stuff and everything. Sometimes that affects us. What I'm trying to get a point at is today we're going to talk about four dimensions of faith. Now, when we go through this, the, three, the first three dimensions that we're going to go through, that's the stuff that we deal with, obviously, generally on a daily basis, just like you would the things that you see, the things that you hear, and the things that you touch. But when you introduce the new dimensions of faith, it takes it to a different level for us, okay? Just like going in this theater at Stone Mountain brings a whole new element into, into what, what the whole process of what they're doing when they introduce the smells and stuff into that. And so when we talk about this today, I want us to look about the, at where we are in our faith walk. Because as we go through this and as we read this passage, I think it's pretty obvious for us that if you're someone who's trying to live the life of faith, you're probably going to live a 3D type of faith. But today I want to talk to you about that fourth dimension. And that fourth dimension is the, the element that really causes our faith to take fire and causes us to grow in who we are. It moves us out of our elements or out of our comfort zone and so that we will be able, be able to take a step to where God wants to move us next, all right? The fourth dimension of faith. So the scripture is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. It said that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in the inner man. So let's just stop there for a second. So Paul is praying for us, okay? So this is really a prayer that Paul is giving to us. So this is really what I'm giving to you this morning. This is a prayer that for you as you exit 2018 and you get ready to move into the next phase of your life, which is 2019 for that year. As the calendar flips over, this is a prayer that according to his riches and his glory, that you be strengthened with his power in the inner man. So this is Paul saying, my prayer for you is inside out. It's not an outside in thing. Now, I want you to think about this. We get ready to flip the calendar. We're going to make New Year's resolutions. Most of the New Year's resolutions have to do with us what? Externally, right? We want to either lose weight. We want to do this. We want to change our hair. We want to do this. We want a new wardrobe. We want, I mean, we want a new look. We want all that kind of stuff. It's an exterior type of thing most of the time when we try to make these New Year's resolutions. I'm going to eat better. What I'm putting in from the outside that goes in my body. This is an inside-out thing that Paul is talking to us here. So he's flipping the switch on us, okay? So when we get ready to go into the new year and we start thinking about all these things externally and how they affect us internally, I want you to think about this from the opposite way. This is internally and how it's going to affect everything externally. So Paul is praying for us that we be filled up or affected on the inner man from the inside out so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love 
may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Stop right there for a second. Let's, let's touch on this for, for just a moment. Because this is not really where I'm going this morning, but it is the preparation for this, and I want us to get this. So that Christ may dwell in your heart. So here he is starting on the inside. Where did he start with on the inside? Did he start with your mind? No, he started with our heart on the inside. So he goes right to the core of who we are in our faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. So as he says that our faith begins, our faith begins with one thing. Scripture says that three things remain in our life. What are they? What are those three things that remain? Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is what? Love. So guess what he's done? In his prayer that he has given for us, to God for us. He says, affect them from the inside out. Start in their heart that they may be rooted and grounded in love. So he goes right to the thing that remains the most, right to the place that's the inner core of who we are. And that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints. So, knowledge is not understanding. Do you know that? We We get a ton of knowledge. In fact, they say now that the amount of knowledge or the amount of information that is in the world today doubles every 18 months. So just when you think you got the understanding of how your iPhone works, it's not going to work that way 18 months from now. Just when you got the fact that you thought that you think that you know how to operate the computer and do all of these things, it's not going to be that way 18 months from now. Do you guys realize that the iPhone is only like 10 years old? I mean, we sit here and for a decade, we're all, we've all been so, and if it's not an iPhone, it's an Android or a Roid or whatever you got, you know. The type of phone system that we have is only 10 years old. I mean, you watch a 2005 movie and they pull out the flip phone and you're like, what decade is this from, you know? But it's really only a few years ago, only a few years ago. So this stuff is moving this quickly for us. So it's all compounding. But knowledge is not comprehension. I want you to think about your faith. Were you stronger in your faith in your first five years of your walk with Christ than you are in your 20th, 25th, 30th, 35th, 40th, 45th? See, all this information that you've gathered, do you know more about Christ now? Yeah. But the information that we have about the Lord doesn't necessarily equate into comprehension. So Paul has gone right to the core in his prayer. He said, I want you to be affected on the inner man. I want you to be affected at your heart. I want you to be affected with the most important thing that remains, which is love. And I want you to be able to comprehend all this. So he's asking us to step out in who we are and allow ourselves to be moved. Are you going to allow yourself to be moved in 2019? As the calendar flips, I don't know about you, but 2018 hasn't been the greatest year for me. There's been other years I've gone back and I've looked, this was a good year. But 2018, it wasn't that great. So I'm going to tell you this. Come Tuesday morning, I'm like, woohoo! All right? That one is done. In the books, over. Let's get to the new one. But if I have not transformed myself from the inside out, it's still going to be at the end. <laughs> Next year, on whatever day that is, Wednesday or Thursday, whenever, Monday, whatever the day the calendar flips, I'll be going, Woohoo! 2019! I'm glad that one's over. And we just keep clicking them off. But there's never any change in who we are. Transformation is about change. So for us to really become who we need to be in Christ Jesus, there needs to be a transformation that takes place in our lives. And so as we meet the Lord, and as the Lord 
its word comes in and, it, and, it, and we engage it on a Sunday morning or through Bible study or through a, 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 a quiet time or whatever way we do that on a daily basis or a moment-by-moment -moment basis, it is not something that's just a learned behavior for us. It's not something that's routine. It needs to be something that when we engage in it, that we comprehend it. We grasp the fullness of it, okay? And so then he says this, Comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know that the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up with the fullness of God. Okay, I've spoke about this before. I'm going to go to the end, and then I'm going to break all this down, okay? To know the fullness of God, every single one of us has the fullness of God inside of us. When we surrender our life to Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive all the Holy Spirit we're ever going to get. Now, here's the deal. We limit the power and the, of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Through our sin, through our attitudes, through our uh, uh, inability or unwillingness to move forward in our faith walk, all of these things hinder what God can do in and through our lives. And so we try to put a lid on that. So we are spirit-filled. Do you get that? Every single person that is in this place that is a believer and follower of Christ is spirit-filled. And you have the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You may look at other people and say, wow, that's amazing to see what God does in their life. They've taken the lid off. That's all we've got to do. Is take the lid off this morning. Be willing to surrender more of who you are to God than what you even think is capable or, or that you can even comprehend or even understand at this point. Because it surpasses all of our knowledge what God can do in us. We probably look at our lives right now and we look at the limitations of who we are. We can look at our limitations physically. We can look at our limitations spiritually. We can look at our limitations financially. We can look at our t uh, emotionally. I can't handle anymore. We look at all these areas of our lives and we say, I'm, this is all I've got. But there's so much more that's there. They say that we use only, what, like 10% of all of our brain capacity, right? Less than 10% we actually use. I think I'm pretty stinking smart. And if I'm only out working on 10%, just think of the magnitude of the, well, I mean, just think of what it would be like to come in here on Sunday morning if I was operating at 90% capacity. Yeah, that was a joke. I mean, it's all good. Come on, work with me here this morning. You get all of this and I'm only working on 10%. Taylor's scared right now. She is really scared. Because at 10%, I'm a scary person. But what if I pulled that cap off and I was able to ask, access more of this? This is what we're talking about here. We don't even understand how much we can comprehend. We don't even understand what God can do once, we, once he gets a hold of us. And once the, the lid comes off. Now, how does the lid comes off? come off? The lid comes off in four different ways. It says, the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. Now, the first thing I want you to see is the breadth. So that's the width of what we, what we are, okay? How wide? How wide is the love of God? That depends on our dedication. So when we're talking about breadth of something, we're talking about what is your, what is your dedication to this? What is your commitment? So 
Scripture tells us that the Lord loves us as far, or, or takes our sin away from us as far as the what is from the what? East is from the west. He removes it. How far is the east from the west? I mean, it's never, I mean, he just takes it away. That is the ability of him to get beyond us. Now, here's the deal, though. We only want to give back so much. And because we are not dedicated, because our commitment level is low, because we meander around and start looking just like Peter did when he got out of the boat, we start looking at all the situations and circumstances of our lives, and we say, this is, there's no way that this is going to happen. Guess what? It's not going to happen. If we believe in our hearts and think in our minds that it's not going to happen, then we put a lid on it. So we have to rededicate ourselves. So as we sit here in the last Sunday of the year, our job is to rededicate our lives. This is a perfect Sunday for us to set up for the next year of what God wants to do in our lives by rededicating ourselves, recommitting ourselves to who we are in Christ. That's where it begins. That where, that's where it gets to the width. When we look out and we see how wide the expanse is, how far our sin has been taken from us. Scripture says this in Psalms 103. So great is his loving kindness towards us that those who fear him, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as the Father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. So guess what? Look at this. Look at the effectualness of this. The sin has been removed, but God's loving kindness is from everlasting to everlasting. So when we move out, when we take the lid off, when we let go, God moves in. He fills that void when we dedicate and commit ourselves to him. When we truly surrender all. When I was in student ministry, back in the day, there was a group of student ministers over in Walton County, and I was over in Oconee County, and they, they, man, they had it really going on. They, they started this environment where the kids were getting together on a monthly basis, and they called it Sold Out. That's exactly what they named it. They named it Sold Out. And so every time that we would get together and do things, it was for a, a meeting, or it wasn't really like revival, but it became like a revival. And the whole focus was is that when the kids showed up, they sold out for Jesus. And it was an amazing thing to see what happened. It transformed for one of the couple of student ministers ended up leaving after a short period of time, like 12 or 18 months, that type of thing. So it was only a short period of time that this was all going on. But it was explosive to see what it did in the lives of those young people in and around that community and that got involved in it. Because what? To me, it was the mindset of the kids that went in there. It was the mindset of the leaders that went in there. When we walked in, we were sold out. What would happen if you sold out for Jesus? What if your dedication and commitment level was that high? That we were sold out to be who God wanted us to be? then his loving kindness that would be shown towards us would fill the void of all the emptiness that we cleared out with all of our muck. You know, it's the end of the year. How many of y'all are doing this? You got new stuff, right? 
Got new clothes, didn't you? Are you cleaning out your closet? No, you need to, don't you? Guess what we're doing? Or at least that's what Tamara says she's doing before she heads back to work on Wednesday. I got to clean out my drawers. You know what? I got so many new pajamas. I got to get rid of some of these old pajamas. I got some of this stuff has got to go, right? It's got to go. Have you have you assessed your life like that? Have you assessed your spiritual walk like that? Some of this stuff has got to go. Some of the stuff that we are allowing into our lives that keeps us from fully becoming what God wants us to be through, through what we put into our routine is keeping us from being dedicated. we got to let it go. Bag it up. Get rid of it. Ship it off. Get it out of the way. Remove it from our lives. Why? Because when that happens, God steps in. Spiritually, God fills that void. If, we will, if we're not spending enough time with him, turn the TV off. Pick up your Bible. Went and saw my brother and sister-in-law on Friday night. My sister-in-law said something really neat. My brother-in-law, well, a few years back, had gone through a, a difficult time in his life. He, he, was, he was anxious about things. And so his, he was having anxiety issues. And I, I didn't really, you know, catch all of it during that time. I mean, it's my brother-in-law, you know what I mean? It's not not this tomorrow side of the family i don't you know i don't have to deal with that right they're down in augusta i don't he's struggling but his wife made a statement which i thought was really really neat she said you know what he did he put down the meds and picked up the bible and when he put down the meds and stopped thinking about the ways which he could medicate himself through his anxiety and picking up god's word it trans she used this word it transformed him in his walk it transformed him in his closeness to God his proximity to God it transformed their relationship with each other he moved he made a move he cleared out some of the stuff that he was trying to put in to compensate and he got rid of it and in doing so it changed the entirety of who he is Look, I'm going to be here forever if y'all don't let me move on. So I will. Y'all, y'all stop talking to me now, okay? I'm going to move on to the next point, okay? So the breadth. So the next thing we talk about is the length. So dedication's first. Devotion is next. So once we commit, how committed are we? New Year's resolution. New Year's resolution. How much of a resolution is it on January 31st? I am going to lose 10 pounds in the next 90 days. You step on the scale on January 31st, and you're going, this ain't worth it. I can't do it. We can be dedicated to something, but we have to be passionate about it. We have to be devoted to it. So if you're going to make a transformation in your life, and you're going to see that through, there has to be a lifestyle change. Not only do you get rid of stuff, you change the whole entire outlook. You change the routine. Okay, I want to tell you something. Them apple fritters that they make at Publix, those things are good. But I'm going to tell you something. Don't ever, ever, ever eat one. Because if you ever eat one, you got to eat like two. 
And then you start buying the four-pack, which is what I do when I go in there now. I'm like, man, I can spend 85 cents on one of these things. I can buy four of them for $3. I'm saving money tomorrow. I'm a value shopper. I brought boxes of those things home for days in a row. We kept going to the grocery store before Christmas because you always do that, right? You never get what you're supposed to get, and you always forget something. Every time we walked into Publix, I went over to the bakery and pulled me a four-pack. Next day, went back to the bakery. What happened to that four-pack? That bad boy was gone. I stepped on, and I'm like, ooh, something happened over the holidays. I don't know what happened. I made a lifestyle change is what I did. I had a daily four-pack of apple fritters. They don't put how many calories are on the backside of those things. Did y'all notice that? They don't do that at all. They are healthy. That's right. Speak the truth, darling. Speak the truth. They are great, but they have an effect. There's no way that I'm going to achieve my goal that I made or my New Year's resolution buying a four-pack of apple fritters from Publix every day. It ain't going to matter how committed I am or say that I'm committed to losing weight if I'm doing that. My passion has to change. There has to be a lifestyle adjustment. I have to see an order of importance in what I'm doing. Our faith becomes routine. I ask you about this. Sunday keeps coming. I told tomorrow night, last night, I said, Sunday's coming tomorrow. And that was the biggest thing to become a preacher. I want you to know, preachers struggle because preachers, Sunday keeps coming. And as I get up here and I'm dynamic this Sunday, like I always am, really, right? The next week, I walk out of here and go, man, that was good. I got to be that good next week. There's an expectation that I, on Sunday morning that the Lord is speaking through me. I got to, I got to go to work. I got to study. I got to learn. I got to think. I got to put some time and involvement in it. Because guess what? The next Sunday rolls back around. And that was a dud, Tim. What were you thinking? Did you spend any time or preparation for that? Look, I want you to know, I do get evaluated every Sunday. Tomorrow gives me an evaluation. When we go to lunch on Sunday afternoons, she breaks it down for me. Just like a coach would looking at film on a football game she breaks it down for me so we go through all of my errors and we go through all my problems he teaches me how to get better at what I'm doing so if you really want to know how I became as good as I became it's because she she is my she is my preacher coach right there right so there's been Sundays when we've gone to lunch and she goes did you even study that did you you even look at the scripture before you got up there what were you thinking this morning where were you I couldn't follow you for nothing. I'm your wife. I'm serious. She hasn't been that harsh. I'm being harsh on her. But I want you to think about that for a moment. I can't mail this in. It's what God's called me to do. You can't call me your preacher and me not be able to preach. So there's got to be passion in what we're doing, what we've been called to do. If you're a teacher, is there passion to teach? Man, you can lose passion to teach, can't you? It takes one bad kid in the room. You can lose all the passion to teach. Or paperwork. Yeah. Administratively. We can lose our passion. 
spiritually fired up. You're on fire for Jesus. We're sold out. And then we lose our passion. I just told you, for 12 or 18 months, we had it going on over there. What happened? The student minister took another job somewhere else. He was the guy that kind of kept it all organized and put together. Next thing you know, it ain't happening anymore. Everybody's passion was gone. Nobody else wanted to pick up the ball. Nobody else wanted to keep it rolling. There was nobody else to hand it off to. We've got to be not only dedicated, but we've got to be devoted. Channel 5 News, dedicated, devoted, committed, responsible, whatever. What is their thing there? You know, you, you're laughing with me because you know you've heard it too. I've heard it like 50 times. Psalm 37, uh, excuse me, Psalm 34, verses 11 through 14 says this. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves length of days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Psalm 37, 4. This is a great one. Circle it, highlight it. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know what that delight that both of these passages talks about here is? It's your passion. Delight yourself in the Lord. Be passionate for the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Jacob wrestled with an angel. He said what? He wrestled with him all night long. He wrestled him until he, until he would do what? He said, before you leave, you're going to what? You're going to bless me. Are you willing to wrestle with it? Philippians said that we work out our faith with fear and trembling. This passage talks about fear. That's not being scared of God. That's an awe and a reverence for God. Do we have an awe? Do we have the right respect for the Lord? Are we willing to wrestle through it? Are we willing to say, I'm not where I want to be in my faith? I need to move forward. I need to go upward and onward to what God has called me to. And I'm willing to do what it takes to make that happen. If your boss came to you and he said, if you don't pick it up, you're fired. I think the majority of us would say, hmm, I got to change something here and get it going. Has the Lord come to you and said, if you don't pick it up, you're fired. He would never do that. Because once we're saved, we're always saved. So guess what we do? We slack off. I got heaven. It's in the bag. I know him. I know him as my Lord and Savior. So we put a lid on it. We lose our devotion. We lose our passion. So the breadth, the length, the height upward we want to move upward that's the distance the altitude I didn't put it on here but I'm going to give it to you your altitude is determined by your attitude the distance for which you're willing to go is the attitude in which you have once, you're there, once you get going I'm going to tell you this. I used to be much more of an optimist than I am. The older I get, the more pessimistic I get. I'm going to be in the third movie, Grumpy Old Men. They're going to, it's going to star me. 
The other two guys have gone on. They're looking for a replacement. I used to be fun. I did. I was a student minister, man. Everybody wanted to be around me. It was great. Now my kids call me a fun sucker. That's what they call me. They go, Dad, you're such a fun sucker. I used to not be like this. Why? Because my attitude has changed. I did that and done that. I lost. I don't want to play anymore. If you've gone there and you've done it and you got beat up or you lost or it cost you something and you felt like the sacrifice was not worth what you had to expend out on it, you sure don't want to do it again, do you? You cannot fly high that way because your attitude will affect your altitude. The distance which you're willing to go is no longer there. The Lord took away my sin as far as the east is from the west. (laughs) But I don't really want to leave the state of Georgia to serve him anymore. If I'm not open to that, then I have restricted myself. If I'm not willing to go farther, then I'm not going to go higher. It's just not going to happen. The width, the length, the height. Philippians chapter 3. Verses 13 through 16. Brethren, I do not regard myself as laying hold of it yet. This one thing I do, forgetting that which lies behind and reaching forward, forward, forward to what lies ahead. I press on, onward, onward towards the goal for the prize of the upward, upward, upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if anything, if you have a different attitude, God will reveal that to you also. However, let us keep living by the same standard which we've already attained. Jesus said this, Any man that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Then there's no way on God's green earth that Mount Salem Baptist Church can say that the best days are behind it. It doesn't fit. Do you get that? There's no way that I can say that the best years of my ministry are behind me. I put my hand to the plow. I told the Lord that I was willing to go and to do whatever He wanted me to do. I was willing to step out in faith and be that person But my attitude has soured and my altitude has dropped. So guess what I got to do? Guess what you got to do? We got to lay all that stuff behind. And look forward. And we got to move onward. And we got to look upward. Take your eyes off the circumstances and the situation that is around us 
and I'm not preaching to the choir, I'm preaching to me. We can't look at this room and say, good grief, it's half full. We got to look at this room and say, this thing is half open. What would happen if we doubled this? This place would be filled up. Is the glass half empty or is the glass half full? That's right. Why? Because you are filled up and you are dedicated and you are committed and you are passionate and your attitude is right. Now look, this is where we stop most of the time. We get up, we go, man, the preacher was good today. That's what y'all say when y'all walk out of here, right? Every Sunday, y'all are going, that was awesome. Where are we going for lunch? I'm really hungry. And the waiter messes up your order, or waitress, and your whole attitude changes. And what went from, great Sunday, what an awesome message by Pastor Tim, goes to, I need to go take a nap. I feel totally drained after eating lunch. I sucked the living life out of me. I'm going to go lay down. It's only 2 o'clock. And you've gone from, you've gone from being fired up for Jesus, walking out the steps, to you didn't even make it home from lunch. We're not talking about Monday morning and bad traffic or waking up with a headache. You didn't even make it home from lunch. This is why. The last thing is this. We always forget this one. Breadth, length, height. But there's got to be depth. There's got to be depth to who we are. Depth is obedience. Scripture says Satan is going to mess with you. In fact, not only does it say he's going to mess with you, it says he is seeking to devour you. You have an adversary. It says you need to armor up every single solitary day. And that begins with prayer. And then you put on that armor, and you go out there, and you do battle. It means that God's Word tells you how you should live. And that as it tells you how you should live, that obediently you follow after that. And obediently as you follow after God's will, it doesn't mean that the world's going to come up to you and say, you're a wonderful person. I'm so glad to have been around you today. It means it's probably going to spit at you. But you still know that you are doing the right thing in the midst of all that wrong. And that is more important. That is obedience. That is the depth. You know, the four souls, the teachings of the four soul, the soils in, in Matthew. It says this. It says that some of the seed fell on the hard, hard dirt and never took root. Then it says this. And this is where the majority, I think, of the church lives today. It says that it fell in this soil, but the soil was what? It was shallow so shallow 
And then as soon as the sun came up, it took root, and the sun came up. And as soon as the sun came up and that sun hit it, it what? It died because it had no root. There's no depth to who we are. So we're a constant bipolar picture of the Lord to the world. Jesus is awesome. This really stinks. It's hard. I can't do it. I'm not doing that. I did that once before, and it came back to bite me. I'm never doing that again. And this becomes our spiritual battle that we do with God. We're not wrestling with him like Jacob, bless me, bless me, bless me. We're going, I'm done. I'm not even getting in the ring anymore. And there's no depth to who we are. So we're constantly defeated. Colossians 2, 6 through 7. Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him, established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with over when, uh, and overflowing with gratitude. Did you catch that? Rooted and grounded. Colossians says the same thing. Hey, by the way, do you know this? Just to let you guys know, this is some seminary stuff coming out at you to let you know I do have a degree. Um, 60% of Ephesians is found in Colossians. So if you're reading Ephesians and you're reading Colossians, you're reading the same stuff. You're reading the same thing. Paul's telling this different group of people the same exact stuff. How many of you done that to your children? I raised all three of them the same way. How are they so different? I don't get it. I taught them all the same thing. Taught them all the same. How did they end up so different? The soil is different. Some is hard. Some is shallow. Some is thorny. And there's allowed all the stuff in this world to grow up in it. And then some is good. All we're doing is sowing seeds. It's all we're responsible for. Scripture says we'll never run out of seed. My attitude needs to be stop worrying about how many butts are in the seats, excuse me, and start worrying about sowing some seed. I'm not responsible for how many of you show up. I'm responsible for feeding the sheep. Do you get it? We all got to do our job. Sow. And leave it up to God. But we got to get some stuff in our own lives straight before we can act, actually go out there and think we're going to be effectual. Last couple of verses I got here, just so that for you guys can say I finished. Psalm 1-3 says this, He will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in a season. Its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, it prospers. Evergreens planted by the river. Jeremiah, same thing being said. For he will be like a tree planted by the water, extends its roots by a stream, and shall not fear when the heat comes. But its leaves will be green, and it will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. The stock market is crashing. Everybody run. 
nowhere to go. Plant yourself. Allow the roots to grow deep. And in a year of drought, and by the way, I don't think we're ever going to have a year of drought. Well, I don't know when it's going to happen again, but, I, but for the foreseeable future, it's not going to start raining, you know. And if you bought those barrels a few years ago so you'd have enough water, them things are molded right, right next to your house right now, aren't they? Because they're so full. We are in a year of abundant rain. But we have all lived through years of drought. We got to be prepared for both. So this year is ending. This you is over. This day is quickly fading. What are you going to be? How are you going to live? To what effect is God going to work in your life? The Spirit's there. God is willing and able. The promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the same one to you. He will bless you. He's already said it in those passages. It'll extend to your children, your children's children. It'll happen. But not by your hand. And not by your doing. So let's get busy about being what we can control. The width, the length, the height and the depth. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your grace and mercy. I thank you for just the opportunity in a country that we have still to be able to come here and to worship you. We take this for granted, Father, that times they are changing. We have no idea how long we will be able to have these type of freedoms in this world, but we do have it today, and I pray that we will take the most advantage of it. Father, I pray that we will go out, and no matter what happens when we walk out the door today, that our hearts and our minds and our attitudes and our actions will all be glorifying to you today. And that tomorrow morning, we will get up and we will do what we need to do to prepare ourselves for that day ahead, and we will do the same in our attitudes and our actions and our preparation. That we will look to see you move. And Father, I pray that you fill this place up by your hand and through the power of your, your spirit. These things we ask for, these things we pray for in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.